Welcome to Shutting Light Hunting Stories Podcast, podcast dedicated to the hunting stories of the average Joe. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode four. Hey guys and girls, thank you for coming back to Shutting Light Stories. Hope that you are enjoying these. Um, I've had a blast recording these. I've had a great time just sitting down with guests and just, I hope it just feels like you're having a cup of coffee and talking to a friend and you guys get to join in on the conversation. That's what it's like to me and I am sitting here drinking some nice coffee and enjoying the day. Um, I tell you what, I'm excited. I've had 50 people listen to the podcast and I haven't even promoted it yet, but um, <laughs> the promotion does start today. We have three episodes up, and this is number four. And going to be getting these episodes up, and hopefully we will be releasing a podcast interview at least uh, once every two weeks, if not once a week. So um, if you hit subscribe, you'll definitely get it. You'll know it'll come right to you, and you'll have it downloaded, ready to listen whenever you want. And so I uh, appreciate that. Um, I have no idea if leaving a rating or a review uh, actually helps more people find it. That's what you always hear people say. But it does uh, help me know that you like the podcast. Um, so if you want to leave a good rating and a review, that'd be awesome. Once again, completely open to your suggestions. Um, I really want this to be your podcast. Um, I, I listen to a lot of great podcasts, as I've said before, but the thing I notice about most of them is they have a lot of like really big names, really awesome people in the hunting industry. Um, if you've been following this week, uh, the ATA, it seems like everybody and their cousin is there, <laughs> except for uh, Shutting Light Outdoors. We're, we're not there yet. But, um, you know, and that's that's fine. I think there's a complete place for that and from learning from those guys. But I would rather uh, this podcast just kind of focus in on some guys and girls that are out there getting it done, learning how to do it, um, and uh, just like me, I, I don't have all the answers. I've killed some deer, I've killed some turkeys, um, killed killed some animals, but uh, I don't claim to be an expert. I, we consider ourselves here at Shedding Light Outdoors, we call ourselves the Joe staff. Uh, we are not <laughs> pro staff, which by the way means promotional staff. Just because it says uh, somebody is a pro staff doesn't mean they're a professional hunter. It just means they're they're promoting uh, whatever that company wants. So we call ourselves the Joe staff because we are not the professionals or promoters of really anything other than just our faith and uh uh, having a good time in the woods. So anyway, if you uh, have any suggestions for topics that we could cover coming up, um, be happy to hear those. Uh, send me an email over to sheddinglightod at gmail.com, and uh, we could hear those suggestions. Would love that. Also, coming up, uh, we will be taking some stories regarding turkey season. So if you have a good uh, turkey uh, turkey tale to tell, <laughs> go ahead and send me an email, and I uh, might be able to get a podcast lined up with you. Um so that said, I'm not going to ramble too long today. I do want to give you a quick verse. It says uh, in Proverbs 19:20, "Listen to advice and accept instruction, that you may gain wisdom in the future." Um, I think uh, it's it's extremely important as you hear these stories that you kind of take it as advice, maybe as instruction, to learn a little bit. Um, the biggest thing that we I know we all a lot of us anyway we like to go out and just kind of figure it out ourselves. But sometimes whenever you listen, you learn not to make some mistakes. 2016, I went out west uh, on an elk hunt. 
and I just didn't I didn't take any advice. I, I kind of got a couple uh, bits of information from some people, but I just didn't learn. I didn't take the time to understand how elk work. I was reliant on uh, some people that had gone before. Well, 2019 is going to be a different story. I'm headed back out with a bow in my hand this time uh, to Colorado, and I am studying, I am learning, I am taking advice from everybody that can give it. Um, and I just think that, that it's a biblical concept that if you want to do well in life, learn to take some advice. And so that said, today we're going to have a guest on that is, um, I don't know if you consider him average or not, uh, he is actually a podcaster. His name is Bruce Hutchin, and he is the host of Whitetail Rendezvous. Also, he uh, has a company on the side with that that goes along called Buck Wild Coffee, and I can tell you that it is awesome coffee. I'm not just saying that, it's delicious. Um, but Bruce, uh, he, uh, he is a super great guy. He had us on uh, his podcast about two years ago, me and uh, my buddy Trav, and then he had me on just a couple weeks ago. In that podcast, you can find that over on Whitetail Rendezvous, and he has over 500 podcasts, and he does a great job. He's a great host and a great guy. He's going to take us back in time a little bit. Um, some of our guests, it's been their first year hunting. Bruce has been hunting for many, many years, and he's going to talk a little bit about what that was like back then, uh, what hunting was like, what life was like. You're going to get a little bit of a history lesson here, but if you hang in there, um, he's going to get to a great story of Bruce's first buck. And it's a great story that you, you definitely want to stay tuned for. So that said, I'm going to quit the rambling and I'm going to jump right in. Here's Bruce Hutchin from Whitetail Rendezvous. Hey everybody, I am here with Bruce Hutchin. Bruce Hutchin is the co-founder of Whitetail Rendezvous, which is sponsored by Buckwild Coffee. And he also has written some unit profiles for Go Hunt, been hunting for many, many years, and he has done over 500 podcasts over there on Whitetail Rendezvous. I've had the pleasure of being on that twice, and I just want to say, Bruce, welcome to the show. Hey, Travis. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to be here, and it's fun being on the other side of the mic. That's for darn sure. Yeah, I, I'll admit, I'm a little nervous. Like you, You've done 500. I think this makes like five for me, so I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I'm having, uh, I have to learn a little bit here. I'm sure you can teach me a lot, but no, man, welcome. How's things out in uh, Colorado Springs? Hey, we just got back uh, late last night. I took the grandson, my son, and my grandsons and a friend uh, uh, late season antelope hunting, and it was a good walk in the sun. It was actually over 50 degrees. The wind was down, so it was a perfect day to take a hike. And as the landowner said, they should name my podcast, you know, Hiking hiking Whitetail Deer, um, not Hunting Whitetail Deer. <laughs> anyway, having said all that, so uh, it was a crazy morning, and um, yeah, I'm I'm actually – doing show number 560 now and i'm booked out uh till uh april so it's it's been a great ride over the last three and a half years and uh we're over three hundred fifty thousand downloads and you know hundreds if not thousands of people listen to the show every day absolutely I, and uh, it's a great show bruce tell me a little bit you know uh, before we get into the deer hunting stories and stuff what what made you want to start a podcast what got you into uh telling these stories well um goes back to 2014 i hunted um probably i was gone way over a month i hunted probably four states and um i came back from that hunt and i have a a, a friend a good friend bob rourke and he and i were on the colorado chapter of the sci and he said when you retire we're going to do some business we're going to do some things together i said whatever and he's a local businessman and he runs an asset management company blah 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 I shouldn't say blah, blah, blah. I said, 
runs an asset management company and he said um that um you know let's do something you're going to do a podcast i said bob what's a podcast and um i had no idea now we're talking 2014 folks a lot of things have changed in the podcast industry since then so so we got our heads together and i said bob you know the technical difficulties is probably 10 the talking is probably zero so how do we match the two and how do you know, how do I stay out of the ditch? And he said, well, we'll figure it out. And so we did. And it was not easy, folks, uh, because I'm not 21 years old. And tech, uh, technology kicked my butt. But it was easy because what he told me, he said, in order for me to partner up with you, you have to have 100 interviews in 100 days. That was my, you know, proof of concept. Wow. And so I, I went to his office. He made me come to his office because – as his, as the partner, he's writing the check. So actually, Bob Rourke has been um, sponsoring the show, you know, since we started in actuality. But there's, it's a little bit different sponsorship. But anyway, long story short, so I went to his office for 100 days straight and then got 100 um, shows in the can uh, using uh, – what did I use? I used uh, uh, Blue Yeti. I used uh, I used Skype. And I used Pamela and um, I think Audacity or something. It was it was hard because once I had them in the can, then I had to start editing them all and producing them all because I did all that. So we had over 50 – I think it was 25 to 50 shows when we launched August 31st, uh, 2015. I had you know a bunch of shows. I had a year's, year's worth of shows, but we went six days a week to begin with. And we heavily front loaded it and that helped with my traction, but it, it just kicked my butt because I was working six to eight hours a day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I mean, and now that you're on over 550 episodes, you can just go back and see there is a lot of work that you put into this and you've done a great job with it. Yeah. I would not recommend people doing that. It's just, <laughs> well, it's just, that was Bob's deal. And he said, I want a hundred, you know, in order for me to, you know, to sponsor, to write the checks in our partnership, um, you do the work, I provide the money. So I said, okay, fine. And we did it. I would not do it again. Mm. He'd have, uh, somebody would have to pay me, uh, you know, <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars to do it again. Uh, that much. Now, if I went to two shows a week or three shows a week to start with, just think of that a hundred shows. So you got 52 weeks times, um, two shows you know, that's a year's worth of shows in the can before I even started. Yeah. So you've been interviewing a lot of people, getting their stories. So I, I thought it'd be neat to go ahead and get your story. And I want to go back to the beginning. Um, let's go back to whenever Bruce was a young young man uh, starting to hunt. And kind of bring us through that a little bit. How did you get into hunting? What led to you getting your first buck? My hunting started, and you can, folks, you can go to the about section uh, in at whitetailrendezvous dot com and read all this. And I'll I'll, I'll keep it short because um, I like to talk. <laughs> I like I like to entertain people. I really do. Yeah. But anyway, it's really simple. I killed my first uh, game animal when I was like ten years old. I killed my first grouse when I was twelve years old. I used a single H and R twenty gauge uh, pull back to hammer. And 
the grouse came out of the snow because uh, I lived in New England. I lived in Rhode Island, actually, and I would hunt uh, my parents. They weren't farmers. They they just lived in the country, and my dad was uh, uh, worked for Chrysler. He worked for Mopar Division, so he traveled a lot. So we just lived on the Connecticut border of Rhode Island, and so we had an 80-acre farm, and uh, that's also where I saw my first deer, but that's a later story. So anyway, so I'm, I'm out. I take the 20 gauge and I go hunting. I'm 10 years old, no hunter safety. I had a mentor called Otter Knight and Otter would take me trout fishing. He would teach me how to shoot. He would um, let me use his 410. He mentored me. And so if you don't take anything away from this listeners, mentor somebody because here I am, 72 years old. I killed my first whitetail in 1966. Um, so 10 years old, it was 1956-ish. Um, and somebody took the time to mentor me to become a trout fisherman, to become um, basically a hunter-gatherer. Because he taught me all my woodcraft, everything about the forest, and sign and all that. So I had him breathing that into me. And um, so I used take the 20 gauge out and shoot rabbits and, and shoot grouse and um, bring them home and, and eat them. And I had a, I had an uncle that was a detached from the family, but I loved going to his place because he was a subsistence hunter back in the fifties. He had survived mm. the depression and he was a subsistence hunter. So you always ate wild game at, at his farm and he had a real farm in Rhode Island. And I remember uh, a buck came out on the, on the ridge. We were, we were just um, hanging out by the barn and said, go get my, go get the rifle in the top rack. He said, don't touch the trigger, but to go get it. And I'm like eight or 10 years old. And I go get the rifle, bring it to him. He shoots deer. <laughs> I go, oh. <laughs> and it was a 45, 70. And then he re- reloaded, he built his own bullets and reloaded. But uncle Henry was a, he was throwback in time. So I had some rich examples of hunters. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think, you know, and I think hunting probably has changed since then. Like, what are what before we get into that 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 buck story? What are the major changes like between now and then? Would you say? Um, one, there's tremendously more deer. Yeah, I saw all the time I lived in Foster, which is I can remember five or six years. I saw just a couple of bucks, one by the trout stream, one uh, uh, in the meadow. And then I saw turkeys and pheasants in Rhode Island, of course, rabbits and grouse and squirrels. But we have more game today than we had back then, mm-hmm. it, you know. And then um, there wasn't there wasn't all this commercialization of hunting. It, yes, there was outdoor life um, and uh, field of stream. You know, no magazine did exist back then. But um, there was no – the pressures of it – people hunted because they were hungry. They were meat hunters. There was there was sport hunting, but I was, I was a meat hunter because we ate everything. I would take it home, dress it, and then uh, give it to my mother, and she would ask Otto how to cook it. And so when we had it, we, you know, we would, we would eat it. Um, you know, TV, it was black and white, you know. There was no, you know, forget internet, forget color TV, forget, you know, handheld devices. There was a, a radio, 
just listen to the Red Sox play baseball yeah. uh, against the Yankees. Um, and so I drove a truck when I was like 10 years old, eight years old. I drove Otto's truck all over the place. Um, so, you know, it was a simpler life. It was a more, um, I don't want to use, use the word pure, but, uh, we were naive, if you will, because the world didn't come to us. I know there was one break-in at the post office. I know there would be whispers about somebody got pregnant, yeah. which has been going on for years. Um, there were whispers about two people of the same sex living together. Right. But it wasn't, it wasn't the stigma uh, because, you know, it was a small community. Foster Center, Rhode Island was... 300 people, 500 people, yeah. you know, and they had a church, had a post office, had a county clerk's office and a one room school. Yeah. So definitely a, was, a simpler, a simpler time, maybe. Yeah. It was a purer time and, you know, life happened, yeah. you know, and if you listen closely, you know, life was happening around you, but it wasn't in your face. Like kids have it today. There's no secrets of life today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just like the same thing with hunting. You know, it was the magic of it. It was the expectation when I, when I trapped my first fox. It was, you know, Otto taught me how to trap, and then and then I set some traps, and I caught a trap, and I hung it out. You know, because you'd hang your trophy, it, so there was some some stuff. The so I hung the fox up, and I had people come to my house say, "Where'd that fox come from? Can I buy the hide?" And I trapped it. And so I hung it up and, you know, people go, holy fright. Because they went to my dad and said, oh, you got a fox, huh? And uh, no, my son did. Wow. So, I mean, you know, people have been posting things for years. It's just, you know, the the, the medium has changed. You used to post it on the fence. And now you're posting it on your on your wall. On a maple. But you're not, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a maple tree that, you know, ran sap in the spring. But no, it was a maple and it was right above the stone wall right beside the barn and between the maple tree and the barn was a road to our house. I mean, so everybody that went on Howard Hill road, that's where I lived, um, saw it and they were just a box. <laughs> yeah. So I remember that, you know, that's so great. yeah, I was, I was, I was in the social media way back then. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Well, Bruce, let's go ahead and hop into this story. Uh, 1966 rolls around and you go after this, this buck or tell, tell us how that all went down. Well, 19, I was living then. My father got promoted to the uh, Park Avenue job. So we were living in Long Island, New York. So I went from a town of 500 people to a high school of my class was over 1,000. So a couple of kids, 1,000 kids in this high school in Long Island, New York. Um, that was really hard. And I, I throw that in because I had, you know, a very difficult time. My first semester as a freshman in high school, I got five S. Mm. You know, and and unfortunately that that bad record, you know, scholastically followed me the whole the way through. And it wasn't because I was stupid or dumb and not paying attention. It was just socially I I could not believe I was sitting beside in a room with thirty girls. <laughs> No, and, and there were black people, and there were people with earrings and long hair. I mean, I was in Long Island, New York, even back in the, in the 60s, 1960, I went, went to high school. So the only thing that saved me was my football coach, because 
because I was I was athletic, so I went out for the football team, and so I played freshman football, and then they let me play a couple of varsity games, and then so my sophomore, junior, and senior year, I, you know, I was varsity football, and I did extremely well, but I didn't get a scholarship because piss poor grades. I just just had bad grades. I was a C average, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, so it turned out that somehow I found La Crosse, Wisconsin, and La Crosse, Wisconsin was about eight hundred miles from Long Island, New York, or whatever it was. And so they accepted me. So I put everything in a trunk and. My parents, the one thing they did, they did take me to college. They didn't pay for it, but they did take me to college. And uh, and so I went to La Crosse, Wisconsin in 1964, um, and I immediately you know, made the varsity football team and started playing football and um, you know, had to get jobs because I paid for my whole college. I paid for mm-hmm. everything. And so I started working for this bar called Library Bar, and uh, Dick Rogers owned it. And, um, so I went there, so 64, 65, you know, I worked there and blah, blah, blah. And then in 66, he said, Hey, why don't you come to the farm and with us? Cause you can't go for home for Thanksgiving. And I said, okay. So we went to his farm in, uh, Waniwak Union Center along the Baraboo River. Uh, and hunted, he said, you know, you're going to come hunting. So I, they had the thing called Oktoberfest in Wisconsin right before deer season, which traditional nine day deer season is in November in Wisconsin. And so I got 50 bucks. And with that, I bought my license. I bought a JCC Higgins 12 gauge shotgun. I bought a box of slugs. I bought a hat. I bought a red, some color jacket and a pair of rubber boots for 50 bucks, 50 bucks. Wow. So I had everything I needed to go deer hunting. So that, that would said, cost over 500 bucks today. Well, who knows? Yeah. So anyway, um, since Dick owned the bar and he also sang. So before hunting season, what we would do, he would play in these bars so we could drink for free beer and then he'd make some money. That's how he made his money. And he always had the nicest car, GTOs and Corvettes and all that stuff. And so, um, so we would, before, right the day before season opened, he played the gig and stuff. So, you know, we didn't get much sleep. I remember I was in the attic of of his home, and they woke me up with a feather in my nose, and I had these down comforts, no heat. So it's it's November, no heat. You know, I'm warm enough in the down comforts. They're waking me up and said, "Hutch, it's time to go hunting." I go, "Oh, okay." Fine. So I get up and put my long johns on, put my jeans on, put a flannel shirt on, and um, my rubber boots with wool socks, and um, put my coat on and red hat, and grab my gun, and um, we went hunting. And how we hunted in Wisconsin it was all drives. Back then, there wasn't any sitting and wait. It was basically we drove. But since everybody did it, you just drive from farm to farm to farm. And so let's say the average farm is 150, less than 200 acres. And they're all dairy farms. So there's there's ag land and then there's woodlots. And the ag land, just as it is today, is on the top of the ridges. And then the ridges aren't farmed at all. And so they're all woodlots. And then you come out to the hay fields or more ag, ag land. 
and so you just you just drive the tops. The corn's still standing. You drive the tops, okay, and people are standing at the end of the corn, and then the deer will go out the sides and they'll drop into the the side of the hills into mm-hmm. the woodlots. So after you do that, everybody gets to the end and you drive it back in the woodlots. Mm-hmm. That's pretty until smart. You, yeah, until you completely drive out the farm, then you just go to the next farm. So, but you know, you've got 10, 15, 20 people doing these drives. And so since I was, you know, 19, 20 years old, they said, Hutch, you're going to drive all day long. One, because nobody knows, you don't know what you're doing. So the chances of you shooting a deer, seeing a deer are slim to none. You could see them because deer are killed by the drivers. But um, so, so I just drove and, and, you know, so you go do the, do the farms and then we drop once we do the farms on both sides of the river then you go down into the river bottom now it got really interesting because mm. you're going through cattails i just got you know knee boots on i mean you're soaking wet you get jeans it's soaking wet it could be cold and whatever but you know we kill a lot of deer yeah you know we killed 20, 30 deer in the picture I sent you, I'm sitting in the back and that was just one morning. The first morning that was five deer and I could, I had shot two of them. Oh, wow. And there were, <laughs> there were five deer and, and, you know, just luck would have it. You know, they go, only oh, fright. This guy's a killer. You know, my first <laughs> time ever. So tell, tell and, us about the first one. Do you remember what, what went, how did, where were you when you get that, that first buck down? That was funny because Dick, we had driven the tops and, and then Dick goes, Hutch, come with me. I'm going to get in the field. He had a 30 odd six with a scope on it. He said, you see that log like 50 yards from in the woods. And then he said, I want you to go lay behind that log. Okay. And if a deer comes, I'll be able to see it and I'll whistle or something. And then you'll be able to hear him. I go, whatever. So I'm laying behind this log and I hear something and it just something moving through through the wood, woods and I'm looking at, and then I look at Dick because I'm beholding the log and look at him. He, he's going. And then, and then he, and then he goes, shoot. So I jump up and the buck's like 20 yards from me. And the buck's <laughs> looking at me. I'm looking at the buck and I go, bam, 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 bam. I unloaded that shotgun as fast as I could. I hit him, hit him once, hit him right, you know, behind the shoulder, like I should hit him once in the ear and the rest of the seven shots or whatever was in the shotgun went down. And my buddy's just laughing. He says, Hutch, Hutch, quit shooting. He's already dead. You killed him. The first, <laughs> the first shot killed him. Cause I don't know. Cause yeah. I still remember today I'm standing there and I'm going click and, and he's climbing the hill, which he didn't do very well. And he just rolled over, you know, oh, and he was dead. My buddy was laughing. So because he's watching the whole thing. Yeah. So there's your, your first buck. I mean, you got to be pumped at that moment, right? Oh yeah. Cause I, one, I, I know the, I know it's right there, but when you get up and go like that, he's, he's going, Oh my goodness. And I'm going, boom. Yeah. <laughs> we're, both, we're both in shock and he didn't have a chance. And that was the way it was. It was crazy. Uh, and yeah. it, it hasn't stopped since. Yeah. So you fast forward all these years later, does your heart still get going whenever you see one? Oh yeah. I go, I go completely nuts. <laughs> I, I really do. And it's just, you know, I had, I did not kill a deer this, this fall, uh, because I just kept passing bucks, passing bucks. You know, I just passed on them. Um, 
the best story I have from this fall, and folks, you'll be able to hear this on Whitetail Rondo, so this is a primer for that. I had a uh, a 10-point buck, 130 class-ish buck chasing a small A 10 feet from my feet because I hunt from the ground now because of my accident. I just I feel more safer on the ground. And yeah. he's 10 feet. If you, go to, if you go to the page on Whitetail Rendezvous on Facebook.com, uh, you'll see a, just a picture – uh, of a of a, a scene with snow and then there's like um uh, a a trail the leash were turned over in the snow and that's how close they were oh wow and i never i never got a shot i never yeah. you know they were moving too fast but i let a lot of bucks go um no bucks that i wanted to take and and put on the wall on the farm we still hunt eddie's farm which was one of the hunt um, farms we hunted back in 1966 and dick doesn't have his family doesn't have that farm anymore his farm so i hunt eddie's farm and i've been you know i his son um lester's son who's eddie um you know we still talk about you know how he remembers me he's about 10 years younger than i am so he was you know uh, if i was 20 years old he was 10 or 12 years old yeah. you know and the whole crew, because we we had fun, and I guess that, folks, if if you listen to anything about um, what I'm talking about, you know, hunting is fun. The boys and I we hiked two or three miles yesterday in the prairies of Colorado, but we still had fun. Yeah, yeah. we had fun doing it, and and I get excited today as I did way back then when a buck comes. I've got a lot better because I've had so many bucks so close to me. I've so many bucks really, you know. 10 feet to 20 yards this year. Uh, I had one buck. He, I was on the ground. He was completely clueless that I was there and he knew something was, you know, tucked into underneath that tree, but he couldn't, he couldn't figure it out. He kept looking, stomping his feet, doing the head bob and all that stuff. And, you know, and so you just sit there because if I'm not going to kill him, I, you know, I, I get my stuff together. I'm okay. Yeah, you know it's exciting to see. But if I decide to kill him, then then it go okay. Breathe, shut your eyes. Okay, breathe deep, breathe in and out. All I have to do is I hunt with a crossbow now, so just pull the trigger, yeah. and and you know you're gonna get him. And it's just it's but it it's got to be fun. And I'm I'm excited today as a, as I ever was back in 1966 along the Barrow River. Oh, that's great. And I, I think that's, I think it's really good advice. I think sometimes today there's so much pressure because of social media. You worry about, I, I hear guys all the time, they shoot a deer and then they get up and they're disappointed because when they post it on Facebook, they're afraid of somebody making fun of them. And I, I just think we've, we've kind of lost the ability to just go out and enjoy it. Be, you know, spend time in creation and, and smile while you're out there, whether you get something or not. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. That's really good advice. You're welcome. So, well, Bruce, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, that's a really awesome story. And uh, uh, just want to encourage all of our listeners, go make sure if you haven't checked out Whitetail Rendezvous, make sure that you do that. There's plenty of content over there. Also, I can highly personally recommend uh, Buckwild Coffee. I have tried it. It is delicious. I've ordered a couple times now. So uh, Bruce is putting out some good stuff. So Bruce, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate that. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Merry Christmas to you and your whole family, Travis. Thank you. There you go, our fourth interview in the books, and it's with a uh, special guest, Bruce Hutchin. 
and um, just really happy to have him on. As I said, we will definitely have some folks on that you've never heard before, but every once in a while uh, I'll pro- try and throw in a guy like Bruce that maybe you've heard of him, and um, what, I, what I'm hoping for from these guys is not like high-level tactics necessarily, but just a good story uh, because they're good at it, they uh, have been at it a long time, and I think we can learn from that and just enjoy it. And I, It's neat kind of going back in time with Bruce and, and hearing about the deer drives, not something you hear as much about anymore. And um, But anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. We're going to go ahead and shut this one down. I hope you'll come back for Episode 5, and have a great day. Remember, shed the light. <laughs>